Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we begin to get into our word here this morning, we pray, Father, for all of our missionaries everywhere around the world. And again, not only Foursquare missionaries, but anyone that is out there preaching the word of God, ministering the word of God. Even Richard and Kathy, who take that team out there, Lord God. We're not in a foreign country. We're right here in Canoga Park, Lord Jesus. But there are people even here in Canoga Park and in Chatsworth and in the San Fernando Valley that need to hear hear about Jesus. Anoint them and empower them, Lord God, and use them to do great and mighty works for you. Bless these offerings, Lord God, both for our missions and for our church. Bless the gift and the giver, and bless the word of the Lord here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. All right, let's open up our Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 10 here this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 10. Let's read. It says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Now, I think that we can all agree, and I believe that we can all see that what is happening here is one of the most powerful and interesting events recorded in the Bible. I mean, to be able to hear the voice of God. How many of you would agree that's a very powerful thing? Can you say amen? I mean, that's an awesome thing that Samuel got to experience. Now, remember, we had discussed last week that Samuel was like an orphan or a foster child because he was being raised by someone that was not his parent or his relative. Samuel was being raised by a complete stranger, and his name was Eli. We also learned last week that Samuel's mom, Hannah, had five more children after Samuel, three boys and two girls. And remember, Hannah was not able to have any babies. She was, not, she was barren. Uh, she was childless, and she was crying out to God and begging God, and God gave her a miracle, and God gave her Samuel. Well, after that, she had three boys and two girls, so five more kids, but Samuel never got to know his brothers and sisters because he was living with Eli and not at home. Samuel was separated from his family and lived with Eli and his family. Eli and his family had the privilege of serving as priests to God in a town called Shiloh. Not Jerusalem, but Shiloh. The sad thing was that Eli's sons were wicked and corrupt, and so the home that Samuel was being raised in was messed up 
and evil. It was the house of God, yes. It was the church, yes. And it should have been a healthy and safe and spiritual place to live. But sadly for Samuel, it was a corrupt place to live. And we learned last week that in spite of all the evil and all the corruption and all the bad examples and the bad mentoring, all the sin, all the compromise that Samuel was being exposed to, Samuel still chose of his own free will to live an obedient life and honored God. And Samuel followed the instructions that he was learning in the word of God rather than allowing himself to be influenced and intimidated or even bullied by Eli's sons that were evil and older than him. So church, there is no excuse for any of us not to be able to follow God. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is going on in your home, no matter how messed up things may be, there is absolutely no excuse for you and I not to be able to willingly of our own free will serve our Lord. Can you say amen? Samuel was doing what he was doing simply because he was told to do it by Eli, his teacher. He was following orders simply because he was submitting to the instructions given to him. He was learning to be obedient, but yet he had no personal experience, no personal revelation, no personal testimony of the reality of God except for what he had heard or had been told by others. Just like you and me today, we hear and learn about the Bible stories and the power of God. We hear about the Red Sea crossing. We hear about the walls of Jericho falling down. We hear about Daniel and the lion's den. We hear about David and Goliath. We hear about the Shekinah glory filling the temple of God and the fire of God coming down and consuming the offering. We hear of Ezekiel and Isaiah and the Apostle John having visions of heaven. We see people speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. We see people being slain in the spirit, being touched by God. But God has not yet personally revealed himself to us in any kind of personal way. We're here. We're doing our thing for God. We're being obedient to God, but nothing supernatural, nothing big. We're just doing it because we know that he's God and we love him. Samuel was busy reading the Bible, learning the Bible, memorizing scriptures in the Bible, receiving certificates and awards from church, participating in the song service, helping us, helping the leaders, learning how to offer sacrifices, learning how to offer offerings, learning how to serve God, but yet not having any personal revelation. It's just like our kids right now that are in the back and they're preparing for this presentation at Christmas. We're trying to teach them and show them and lead them in the ways of God, but until they reach a certain age, they they, they, they need to experience a personal revelation of God. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? It's a personal thing with the Lord. He, Samuel made a decision to live a holy life, a separated life. He made up his mind that he was not going to get loaded or drunk at parties. The, he was going to stay away from the drugs, the bad music, the bad movies, not going to have sex out of marriage. He was not going to date people who are not Christians. As Christians, we may go through loneliness, suffer persecution, suffer criticism, deal with hurt and being left out. We may not see any fruit or results from our labor. We may not receive any recognition for our faithfulness or labor. We may not receive any respect from people. We see others around us compromising, rebelling, being carnal and worldly. We see others having a bad attitude and complaining. We see others abusing the sacrifices and not being obedient to the instructions of the Lord. This is a hard 
This is hard because sometimes these people that we see doing these things are our friends. They could even be our family members, and yet we claim to be Christians. But still, we choose to remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, regardless of who's doing what and who is saying what and who is acting a fool. It doesn't matter. It's no excuse for us. We can't point the finger. We still got to keep going forward, and we have to stay faithful and obedient to our God. We learned last week that Samuel was not expecting anything. He had never seen any miracles, nor was he expecting any or asking for any. He had no extraordinary or supernatural experiences, and yet he was not asking for any. He was, he was walking by faith and serving the Lord simply because God was God, and he wanted to honor God for who he was. Samuel made up in his mind that he was going to serve God no matter what. Samuel locked his will to be obedient and to follow God. He didn't need to validate his service by seeing signs or visions or miracles or by receiving approval or the recognition of men. He was simply following the word of God because it was the right thing to do. You could call it routine. You can call it going through the motions. You can call it whatever you want, but he was being obedient and he was being faithful. Are you all caught up with me here this morning so far? And we learned last week that our Lord was watching all of this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It may seem like God is not involved. It may seem like God doesn't see. It may seem like God doesn't care. But believe me, God sees and God cares. God saw all the evil, and he saw all the good that was going on in the church. God saw the sons of Eli and how they were acting, and he saw Samuel and how he was being obedient. And so now we come to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, 10 which is what I read to you this morning. I want to read it again. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me, my son. Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. So here we see that for the very first time, Samuel heard the voice of the Lord. For the first time, he has a personal revelation of the reality of God. For the first time, he has a personal supernatural experience with the Lord. But remember, this was after years 
and years of faithful service and obedience. Did you hear what I just said, church? After years of being faithful, after years of seeing no, no improvement, no change, everything stayed messed up, everything stayed corrupt, everything stayed confusing, Every, it seemed like God wasn't listening or caring, there was no movement, everything was stagnant, everything was at a standstill, and then all of a sudden, he hears God's voice, are you guys listening to how patient we have to be when we're going through our issues, when we're going through our struggles, and we're crying out to God, and it seems like nothing's happening, and we pray for our kids, and it seems like nothing's happening, and we pray for that job, and it seems like nothing's happening, and we pray for that marriage, and it seems like nothing's happening, and we pray for that healing and it seems like nothing's happening and we stay faithful to God and we stay focused on God and we keep crying out to God and yet it's still nothing has happening but we have to stay obedient to God until God until church that moment when God says it's time to show up we got to get that into our spirit we got to get this into our mind of how God works. He does not work according to your timing and your desires and your passions or mine. God is God. And we're going to just serve him because he is God. And we're going to trust him because he is God. And we're going to let him run the show. And we're going to let him be in control. And we're not going to stress. And we're not going to complain. And we're not going to have an attitude. And we're not going to point the finger. And we're not going to put anybody down. And we're not going to be critical. And we're not going to blame Pastor Jerry. No, no, no. You're just going to wait on God. You're going to be obedient. You're going to do what God says for you to do. And be right in your heart and in your mind. That's just the way it is. Now, you can candy coat it and make excuses and try to justify and try to rationalize and try to explain why it's okay for you to be a brat. But no matter what you say, it's not okay for you to be a brat. You have to be a man or a woman of God, and that's it, period. The people who have the right and an excuse to be brats are out there right now practicing for a play. But you and I are grown men and grown women that... Put our faith in Almighty God, and He knows what He's doing, and we have to trust Him. And that's it. Now, if He chooses to bless you, that's great. But if He doesn't choose to bless you, or honor you, or to answer your prayer, then you know what? You still have to serve Him. Now, in Samuel's case, yeah, God showed up. And that's awesome, and that's beautiful, and that's great, and that's powerful, and we can celebrate that. And it's a great Bible event and story that we read here today. Let me tell you, there is nothing more beautiful or powerful or awesome than when something happens in your life and you recognize that it is God, it is supernatural, it is a God thing. That's awesome when those things happen. Especially when you are in a desperate situation, when you are facing a crisis, when you are at your wit's end, when it seems that all hope is lost, when it seems like it is the darkest hour of your life, when it seems like God is far away and not involved, and then you have a personal encounter with God, man, I'm telling you, it's like a breath of fresh air coming into your life. It is awesome. It is beautiful. What? My son went to church? What? My my daughter got off drugs? What? My brother got saved? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my wife loves me again? Oh, my God. That's a God thing. 
There's times where God just shocks you. And he surprises you. And even though you've been praying for it, you can't even believe it. He just blows us away. Now it's obvious that what Samuel experienced was supernatural. Samuel heard the voice of God. That alone is all we need. But I would like to focus on the circumstances that surrounded this. Now remember, we already mentioned or commented on what 1 Samuel 3.1 tells us. It says this, The voice Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli in, the, in, the days, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. So Samuel had never heard a word from the Lord or had seen a vision. It was a season of silence. God was in a season of silence. No miracles, no supernatural works, no visions, no prophetic words. I mean, nothing was, it was stagnant. It was dead. The party was dead. Nothing was happening. In addition, listen to what 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2 and 3 tells us. It says this. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Verse 3. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So let's check that out, and let's examine that. The Bible tells us that Eli, the man of God, the priest, the one that was responsible for leading and guiding the people of God, Eli was losing his vision and could barely see, not only physically, but spiritually. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You see, when the leader begins to lose his sight of God, when the leader begins to deviate from the law of God, when the leader begins to lose his way, when the leader compromises or fears man more than God, this jeopardizes the well-being of the people of God that, are, that he's leading. Eli was losing his vision of God. In chapter 2, we learn that God told Eli that he needed to deal with his sons and their sin. But Eli left let the let it slide because he didn't want to remove his sons as priests and so Eli let the sin continue secondly in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 3 it says this the lamp of god had not yet gone out every time i speak on this section of scripture i always bring this up because this is so important verse 3 speaks to us about the lamp of god one of the responsibilities of the priest besides the sacrifices was to make sure that the lamps in the tabernacle were continually filled with olive oil so that the light of the lamps or the candelabra would never go out. God said, make sure that you never let the lights go out in the house of God. That is the responsibility of the priest. Leviticus chapter 24 verses 1 through 4 is where we get this instruction for the priest. The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may keep, be kept burning continually. Continually. Outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant law in the tent of meeting. Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening to morning continually. 
This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord must be tended continually. That means don't let them run out of oil. Do not let the light go out. Lamps or the menorah would, be, would bring light. The oil used in the lamps represents the Holy Spirit. The lamp would provide light in the tabernacle. It was the responsibility of the priest to make sure that the oil would never run out and that the light would never go out. You see, the lamp of God or the menorah was a representation of Christ. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world. And as long as the light of the world is here, there is hope, there is a way out, there is life. Jesus said, man, if you got me, you got it made because the light will never go out. John 8, 12 says this. Get ready to show that video for me if you can pick it up in the tabernacle, okay? Jesus said this in John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never Walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's why God told the priest, never let that light go out, because that light represents my son, the Christ, the Messiah. It's a prophetic future word of the mission of the Messiah. That he would carry with him and in him the light that would light the way for mankind and salvation. John chapter 9, verse 5. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And guess what, church? Jesus is in the world through you and me. He says that we are the light of the world. Church, as long as we have Jesus, we will never run out of oil. We will never be in darkness. Let's read 1 Samuel 3, 3 again. It says this. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Verse 3 mentions not only the lampstand, but the ark of God. The ark of God represents the presence of God, the holy place, the holy of holies. Let's watch this video just as a reminder of the way the tabernacle was set up. We're going to focus on the menorah, which is the lamp, and we're going to focus on the ark, which represents God's presence. Okay, let's see if we can get this thing to go. If we can't, that's okay. No problem, Nick. Hey, let's thank Nick and Danielle and Joshua because and my wife sitting behind there supervising everything because right now they feel the pressure of all the people looking at them. They feel the pressure of all the online people saying, oh, I want to see the video. I want to see the video. And Nick's giving me the thumbs up, and he's telling me to be quiet. So go ahead. All right. Music, sound, okay. Well, this is oh, there we go. Okay. This is just a quick review of the tabernacle. The altar of sacrifice.
Jesus fulfilled all of these in his person. That's called the holy place. You see the candelabra to the left. Okay, there's a light that we're talking about, the menorah. told the priest never let that go out table of showbread I know we're getting hungry how many of you know that Jesus is the bread of life amen altar of incense Jesus is our great intercessor he's interceding for us right now coming to our defense. Those are the prayers of God's people. God hears your prayers. And this is the Ark of the Covenant. Christ is our great high priest. And that cloud represents the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Okay. So here's the situation. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, that no one was hearing from God. And no one was receiving any visions from God or any prophetic words from God. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2, that Eli the priest was losing his sight. As a spiritual leader of Israel, he had no vision. He was losing his sight of God. He was losing his way. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3, that the lamp of God was going out. The oil was running dangerously low. The light was getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And darkness was about to take over. And the Bible tells us that Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. But right before the lamp of God goes out, right before the oil runs out, right before it seemed that all hope was gone, right before it seemed that the situation was lost and without remedy in what seemed to be the darkest hour for Israel and God's people. Church, guess what happens? God shows up in the darkest, most desperate hour. God shows up. Do not depend on man for your deliverance. Do not depend on man for your hope. Don't look to man. Look to God. Always keep your eyes on God. Always. 
Let's read 1 Samuel 3, verse 3 again. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. The Bible tells us that Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. The ark of God represented again the presence of the Lord. God shows up and who does God find hanging out in church in the presence of the Lord? He finds Samuel, not Eli, but Samuel. He doesn't find Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. No, he finds Samuel. Let's go back and read 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli. Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Eli was sleeping somewhere else. He was hanging out somewhere else. And, and Samuel went to him. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me, my son. Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. What caught my eye is verse 10. Verse 10 says this, the Lord came and stood there. I looked this up in the Good News Translation. And you know what it said? It says, the Lord came and stood there. I looked it up in the New King James Version. And it says, now the Lord came and stood and called us at other times. I looked it up in the American Standard Version. And it says, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. I even looked it up in the Spanish Version. The Sagradas Escrituras. And verse 10 says this, y vino el Señor y se paró. Do you know what that means in English? It means this. And the Lord came and stood there. And called as at other times. Church, do you know what this means? It means... That even when God seems silent, even when it seems that we don't hear anything from our God, even when it seems that we don't know what to do or we can't find our way, even when it seems that all hope is gone and there is no way out, even in our most desperate and darkest hour, even though it seems that we are walking around like blind men and have absolutely no direction in life and we're stumbling and we're falling and we're tripping, even when we see leaders compromising and acting foolish and everything around us is collapsing. Guess what church? God is there. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Do not look at the physical. Do not look at the circumstances because it doesn't matter. God is right there with you in the midst of whatever you may be going through. The Bible says that God was standing there with Samuel. The Lord shows up and stands there and God sees Samuel in the house of God in the presence of the Lord. Samuel is hanging out with God in God's house because he just wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. Nothing was going on. Nothing was happening. Everything was dead. Everything was all messed up. It was dark. It was confusing. It was chaotic. There was madness. There was sin. Everything was crazy, but it didn't matter. 
Samuel kept his eyes on the Lord. Church, in our darkest hour, where should we be? In the house of God, in the presence of the Lord. When we pray and cry out to God and all we hear is silence, where should we be? In the house of God, in the presence of the Lord. When we pray and cry out to God and we have no vision, no insight, no understanding, no revelation, where should we be? In the house of God, in the presence of the Lord. When all hope seems gone and we find ourselves at our wit's end in a state of desperation, where should we be in the house of God in the presence of the Lord when we read the Bible and it seems dry and insignificant and irrelevant to our reality where should we be in the house of God in the presence of the Lord when your spouse tells you there's nothing they can do when your doctor tells you there is nothing they can do when your banker tells you there is nothing they can do when your boss tells you that there's nothing that he or she can do when your mom or dad tell you there's nothing they can do when your best friend tells you there's nothing they can do when your pastor tells you there's nothing they can do where should we be at the local bar hooking up with jack daniels at the local nightclub looking for a hookup looking for the connection to find some more heroin or some meth looking for a prostitute how about las vegas or how about just ending it all let's just commit suicide no church when we are going when are we going to learn that our only hope is jesus christ our only answer is jesus christ our only way out is jesus christ our only Savior is Jesus Christ. Our only provider is Jesus Christ. Our only solution is Jesus Christ. Our only comfort and peace and salvation is in Jesus Christ. If you go try to get that anywhere else, you're going to fall on your face. What is it going to take? You've got to stay in the presence of God. If you don't, you're going to go from the, what is it, what is it, from the frying pan into the fire? I mean, if you think it's hot in the frying pan, go into the fire and see how hot it is. Stay in the frying pan, and if Jesus is there with you, you're going to be okay. Just like good old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Jesus was in there with them dancing in the frying pan. And they stayed there until God says, yep, you're nice and tasty now. Now you can get out of here. It doesn't feel good being in the frying pan. It doesn't. It feels terrible. It's awful. But if Jesus is there, you're going to be okay. Stay in the presence of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40. Verses 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. 
Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Let me say it one more time. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Stay in the presence of the Lord. Don't be running out here like a chicken with his head cut off. Stay in the presence of the Lord. Don't be going all over social media trying to figure things out. Stay in the presence of the Lord. Don't be hooking up with Jack Daniels or some prostitute. Stay in the presence of the Lord. And in this time where there was no word from God, in this time where there was no vision, being received from God in this time where it seemed like darkness would consume the light. God shows up and God speaks to Samuel because Samuel was resting in the Lord. Listen, Samuel was going through a lot of stuff, but he was finding his rest in God. Samuel connected with God the same way that Josiah connected with God, the same way that Joseph connected with God, the same way that David connected with God. Now Samuel connected with God. That's the theme of all these messages. The theme of all these messages is that God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for Josiah, if God did it for Joseph, if God did it for David, if God did it for Samuel, guess what? He's going to do it for you and he's going to do it for me as long we stay, as we stay in the presence of the Lord and eventually we will connect with God. Something's going to happen. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Second Chronicles 34, 3. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he, Josiah, began to seek the God of his father, David. Remember what Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we we will serve the Lord. We're going to stay in the presence of the Lord. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Seek first the kingdom, church. Stay in the presence of God. Remember what Elijah said in 1 Kings 18.21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Don't be all messed up and don't be all confused keep and stay in the presence of God and guess what church Samuel chose to seek after and to serve the true and living God he wasn't expecting anything he was just doing it because it was the right thing to do and now Samuel connected with God he could hear the voice of God if God will do this for David if God will do this for Joseph if God will do this for Josiah if God will do this for Samuel then guess what he's going to do it for you he's going to do it for me he is no respecter of persons Acts 10 34 says this then 
Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Romans 2.11, for God does not show favoritism. Galatians 2.6, God does not show favoritism. Ephesians 6.9, and there is no favoritism with him or with God. Listen, you and I may play favorites, but God doesn't. You seek after God. You put your trust in God. You put your hope in God. You rest in the Lord. You hang out with God. You stay faithful to God. God will show up. He will connect with you. You will connect with him. And that's what you want. Don't let life mess you up. Don't let people mess you up. Don't let circumstances mess you up. Don't let Pastor Jerry mess you up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay in his presence. Eventually, something's going to happen, and it will be good. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you will help us to stick with you, to stay close to you, to stay focused on you. Lord, even inside the church, there's all kinds of voices out there, all kinds of stuff that's being proclaimed and said. But when it all comes down to it, Lord, we have to stay close to you. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. That's you here this morning. Just lift up your hand and we will pray. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to the Lord here today. Just lift up your hand and we will pray. We're going to believe that all of you are Christians, that all of you know Jesus. Those of you that are watching online, if you're watching online and you say, Jerry, you know, I, I want God in my life. I need God in my life. I, I don't want to run to Jack Daniels. I don't want to run to the, run to the meth and to the coke. And I, I don't want to run to the women and to the men. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to run to that kind of madness. It just leads to more madness. And I'm tired. God is standing right there with you. Just like he was standing right there with Samuel. He's standing right there with you. Ready to embrace you. Ready to take you in. So just say this prayer with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender, Lord. I surrender to you. I give my life over to you. Jesus, forgive me of all my sin, all my rebellion, all my pride, all my arrogance. I lay it all down at your feet, Lord. I give up. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I open the door to my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to come in. Take over my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.